that message outline if you can, and uh, hopefully right there close to you in your seat, there's a pen, and we want to invite you to grab a pen too, because we're going to be uh, turning to some scriptures, studying the Christmas story. Uh, we, are, we started a brand new series called Christmas, It's Complicated, and last week we talked about how so many Christmases can get complicated. We're visiting with the Miller family every week, and their, their Christmas is going to stay complicated, but what I reminded you of is that there was no Christmas has ever been held that was more complicated than that very first Christmas. Well, while you're getting your Bible out or maybe your technology device, we're getting ready to go. I want to just remind you of a couple of things. Um, well, we're going to be journeying through this, uh, this season together at Christmas, but don't forget Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a very special time here at Harvest Point. We have a shortened worship service, starts at 6 p.m., and uh, we promise people it'll be over in about 45 minutes so you can get back to your family traditions and all that you do. It is always one of our best attended worship services because folks invite family and friends who are from out of town to come and be with them at Christmas Eve. We'll have some time of worship. We'll have some time of studying God's Word. We'll have a time of celebrating Holy Communion. And we'll have a time of candlelighting to remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and that light came into our world for us, God Emmanuel. So, hey, don't forget Christmas Eve. Come and be a part of that with us. It's always an awesome time. Um, So, we're going to be talking today about faith. You got that outline in front of you? But let me remind you as we begin what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about one of the essentials of Mary. You know, Mary was a teenage girl and she experienced a pretty complicated message that she was a virgin, but that she was going to be with child. But what we read last week from Luke chapter 1 is that Mary was highly favored. You remember that? We were talking about the favor that God said was over Mary's life. And I shared with you that to me, that is an essential quality, an essential characteristic that allowed and empowered Mary to do what God had called her to do, to live out her purpose. Now today, we're going to be talking about another essential Uh, for everybody in the Christmas story, but it's never spoken of by name, like the favor was, but you can see it throughout the story. What are we going to be talking about? Faith. Faith is a big deal in the Christmas story, but before we get to the Christmas story, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever just wanted more faith? I mean, have you ever wanted more faith for what God was doing in your family or what you wanted to see God do in your job? Have you ever wanted more faith that Maybe God was calling you to step out somewhere that was out of your box, out of your comfort zone, and you just you felt like fear was controlling you, and you didn't really know if you had enough faith. Or maybe somebody here today is going, you know, it's not that I want more faith. I just want enough faith. I just want to know more about what faith is. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I believe when we read this Christmas story, it has a lot to teach us about how God operates in our life in this zone that we call faith. And I guess here's what I would get you to imagine before we even ever turn to God's Word. What if your faith was so strong, think about this, that every morning you woke up, you knew, you knew that you knew that you knew God was with you. And you knew that God would walk with you and guide you and lead you through the day. And you knew that God would reveal to you things He had for you to say and to do And during the course of a day, you and God would accomplish the impossible, things that other people say couldn't be done, and that every day you lived in that kind of faith. You know, for me, the Christmas story is all about faith. And what I want to invite you to do today as we study God's Word, 
is to kind of hold the Christmas story and all the faith that we'll find in it as we study it in just a minute. And then think about, in the other hand, your measure of faith, okay? What does your measure of faith look like? And what does God want your measure of faith to look like? We'll hold the Christmas story in one hand. We'll hold our faith in another. And we'll let God speak to us about those two stories. The story found in Luke and the story found in us. Now, you know this Christmas story. I I imagine everybody in this room knows this story so well. And we're going to read a portion, the same portion we read last week, but we're going to pull a different element out of it. We're going to add a few scriptures to it. But here's the deal. You guys know this story so well, I bet almost everybody in this room could tell this story. You know, you could tell it to your coworkers, you could tell it to your family, you could tell it to your children. We know this story so well, but here's the deal. When you're very familiar and you know a story so well, it's easy for you to begin to gloss over that story and miss the big stuff in the story. I remember when I was... I remember when I was, uh, had little children in my house, Abby, Andrew, and Alex. Now, they're bigger now, right? But there was a time, I remember, when Abby and Andrew and Alex were just little, little bitty, and I would tell them stories, and as I told them stories, they had never heard the stories before. Now, we knew the stories. They didn't know the stories. And they would stop me. Moms and dads, you ever been there? You're trying to tell a story, and the kid stops you with a question? You can't even get through the story? they stop you with a question? Are they blue or green? What? You know, and let me just finish this page. And you're trying to tell the story, but they've got a lot of questions about the story. It's because they haven't become so familiar with the story that they're glossing over. So today I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read the Christmas story. And then here's what the deal is. Um, We finished up football season yesterday at our house. We won a state championship. Woo-hoo! Yay. Go God. Right, Jerry? That's right. Right, Alex? That's right. Um, But we've been ringing bells around my house, okay, Um, in the stadium. I brought me a bell today. I like a cowbell. We've been making noise at the stadiums, okay? And here's the deal. I thought to myself, how could I do something to pause every little place along this story and get you to think about the faith story? To get something, is there something I could do to make you stop and make you ponder And make the big faith thing in it reverberate in your soul. Shake a little bit with you, okay? So let's try to do that together. Think about how much faith it takes just to believe the story. All right? Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26. The Bible says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Let's just pause for a minute, okay? What did that scripture just say? That was just the opening scripture. And if you really are going to grasp that by faith, there are a few implications right out of the gate. First implication, I must believe there's a God. If I'm going to believe the Christmas story... I must believe there's a God. And secondly, that he's got angels. I must believe that God has angels, communicates with the angels. Thirdly, how about this one? And I must believe that God can send angels to planet Earth to interact with humans. Now, that's pretty big stuff, ain't it? Let's keep going. That was just the first one, all right? Keep rolling. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Really? Well, let's just wait a minute here. What does it take faith to believe this story, right? This verse of it. I just learned that the Lord was in heaven sending angels, right? I believe that. But now I learned that the Lord is with Mary. Where is the Lord? The Lord is with Mary. He is with you and you are highly favored. So I must believe that God can be present in multiple places at any given time. But how about this one? I must also believe that God can be present with a person and them not even realize God is present with them. Because God shows up and is present with Mary when the angel is there because the angel tells us. Let's keep going. Big faith stuff. By the way, that one has huge implications, but we'll keep moving, all right? It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. All right, what's going on there? What faith is needed right there? Mary is hearing an angel tell her that she's going to have the Son of God. She's going to have God in her womb. That don't mean a lot to us men. Ladies, I think it means more to y'all, right? And, and so... This, this message is that this child is going to be the son of God. Look at the next piece. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You're with me on this one, right? Yeah. Really? The virgin is going to have a baby, and the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow and put the things there, right? Right? Enough said. Look at the next piece. It says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. One little ring for Elizabeth. Okay. Having a baby. Old lady. And then next. Next. Mary's words, back to, back to the angel. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. You know, when I finish the story, I just want to ring the bell for Mary. The other night we were sitting in my small group up in Eagle's Landing, and I took a little time as we were beginning the night, and I went around the room, and, I, and we read this story. And I said, person to person, there, it, was, it was married couples, so I said to a, to a husband and to a wife, husband and a wife, husband and wife, I said, what if the angel came to you and said, you were going to have a baby tonight? You should have heard the comments around the room. You should have heard it. I want you to think about what your comment would be. One comment was, well, who's going to pay for this? Another comment, another comment was, well, who's the husband? Another comment was, really? I'm excited. You know what I mean? There's, there, there's a lot of different comments, but none of us were going... I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you want it to be. I mean, really, Mary? See, what I'm saying, guys, is it takes a lot of faith to believe this Christmas story. But here's the deal with Mary. Mary was presented with this very complex, complicated story, but received it by faith. I mean, it seems so complicated, 
But then again, it, what Mary did seems so beautiful, and yet it seems so simple. Now, listen, I've been journeying with Jesus a really long time. I came to be a Christ follower when I was a little boy, about nine years of age. At that time, I didn't really understand a lot about faith. Over the years, I found a lot of different scriptures in the Bible. So I know a, a little bit about faith now. I learned in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it tells me what faith is. Faith is the substance hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I learned in 11.8, it says, you can't please God without faith. That's interesting. I remember Jesus uh, preaching one time in his teaching. You remember this? He said, if you have faith as small as a, anybody remember what he held up? A mustard. You have a faith, it's like one of the smallest seeds ever on the planet, right? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say that that mountain be removed into the sea. Now listen, I don't pretend to have gained it all, and I have learned a lot more about faith. But here's where I'm picking up, and that's what I want to talk with you about today, and I want to do it all through the Christmas story. Faith is an incredible thing, because think about it for a minute. It's invisible, it's an intangible, you can't put your hands on it, substance. But without it, I can't please God. But with just a little bit of it, I can do the impossible with God. How cool is faith? So I think it behooves you and me to say, God, teach us about what it really means to be a people of strong faith. You got your pen. I want to walk you through two, uh, well, actually four teaching points around faith today. And they're kind of fill in the blanks. I might get you to circle some things and underline some things. But let me tell you, the most important thing that you might write on this little piece of paper won't be probably something that I say. It might be a simple, gentle whisper of God's Holy Spirit over you that he's saying, hey, write, he speaks it over you, write it down, write it down, okay, if you feel like God's speaking to you. First thing, write this one down. Number one, faith is established by hearing. Faith is established, it's made in place, put in place, it is established by hearing. Stephen, what do you mean by that? Well, I think one of the best ways for you to kind of grasp that is go back, let me just use an illustration to to give you an example of it. Do you remember the very first time your spouse or your loved one or your significant other ever said to you, I love you? All right, think about it for a minute. You remember? I hope you do. I can tell you where I was when my wife, my soon-to-be wife, said to me, I love you. Now, it was kind of strange. I think I've told it to you before. I had told the Lord, I'm not going to tell any girl I love her until I know she's the one. And so Julie sprang it on me, right? She said, I love you. And I said, thank you. (laughs) I'm sure it was quite uncomfortable for her her at the moment. I, I will never forget the moment she said to me, I love you. Now, there was a time a little bit later. God just revealed it to her before he did me. There was a time a little bit later where I finally said those words, I love you. And when I said them, Julie knew something was different. Something had shifted. Something had changed. Something was established between me and her. From that moment forward, things weren't going to be, you know, they they weren't going to be, they were either moving forward or they were moving backwards. From that moment forward, when I said, I love you. Because when you say, I love you, You have just drawn a line in the sand. You have put a stake in the ground. Something has molecularly kind of changed in your relationship. What are we talking about? We're talking about faith. Faith, it is established by the hearing. 
And so this, this thing called love, when you say those words love, you, you are establishing, you're putting something in place between you and that other person. You are communicating something is real, something has changed. Listen to this scripture from, he, from Romans chapter 10, verse 17. The Bible says, faith comes from hearing the message or hearing the word, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so the teaching here is that God's word establishes, it changes, it draws the line, it, it puts the stake in the ground, it establishes faith for me. Well, Stephen, how, what do you mean when you say God's word? Or this passage right here, Romans 10, 17, says God's message. Faith comes from hearing the message. Well, it's the message of Jesus Christ for you. Now, when I was a young Christian, the main way I ever heard through, from, from God on anything was right through this Bible. I, I was a student of God's Word. And I will still say today that this Word is the main way that I hear God's Word. It is the main way my faith is built. It is the main way I am strengthened. It is the main way I am established in my own faith. God's Word. When I open this book, I believe this book is infallibly and errantly God's Word for me. And, and whether I pick up on it or not, when I open up the Bible, He's speaking. The question is, Am I really listening? Am I really hearing God's voice? But can I tell you something you already know? You already know that God's got many ways of giving his word to us, don't you? I mean, you can, you can be driving down the road listening to the radio, and all of a sudden God, God speaks to a song, right? Or have you ever been in church before, and it seemed like the preacher was speaking right to you, you know? And you, you just knew it wasn't, <laughs> the preacher ain't that smart, and he ain't that clever, right? I mean, it was God. It was God doing God's thing. God was speaking his word into your life. Man, I've been sitting across a table at a restaurant before talking with a, a brother or sister or a mentor in Christ and they speak a word to me and I knew it wasn't from them. It was from God and it was building and establishing my faith. What's lesson number one about faith? That our faith is established in our hearing. Here's a question for you. Are you listening for God's word over your life? You might say, well, not nearly enough, Stephen, but guess what? I just want to pat you on the back because you're in church today. You know what? You're in church today. You're in this place. You are listening for God's word over your life, right? Faith is established in hearing. Now, write this one down, number two. Second teaching about faith here. Faith is proven by action. My faith is proven by action. So if, if, you know, if a great illustration of faith being established by hearing is that those wonderful words, I love you, then maybe we think of a different illustration for faith being proven in action. And maybe the best way to think about it is that wonderful, you know, theologian Beyonce. You remember what she said, right? She said, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it, right? All right, so you can love somebody. You can say those words all you want to, right? But if you really mean them, then you're going to have to prove it, right? Now, here, what we're talking about here, you can have all the faith in the world, but if it's just in, in word, if it's just in your own heart and your mind, you, there comes a time where you've got to put your faith to action. It's almost like the couple who said, I love you, you know, and maybe they even exchange rings, you know, and then people come up to them because there ain't no date, there ain't no date, there ain't no date, and people say, hey, are you ever going to get married? I mean, when are y'all going to get married, you know? There is this thing where you're saying, come on, it's time to prove your love. Put it to action. And see, that's, that's one of the keys about faith. Faith that's not put into action really isn't faith at all. It's just nice little words, right? 
It's nice little platitudes. Faith, true faith, compels us to action. Listen to this scripture from James chapter 2. What good is it? By the way, this is the physical, literal, biological brother of Jesus writing these words. Who did not believe Jesus was the Christ until he saw him die on a cross, come back to life, and then, then, then he had faith, right? Then he learned all about faith. He became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the epicenter of Christianity at the time. This guy became an incredible believer. He knows something about faith happening in his world, right? Listen to what he says. What good is it? my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, well, go in peace, keep warm, keep well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith is saying, uh, James is saying, faith is proven by your deeds, by your action. Now, you just might want to write in the margin of your notes. We, need, we leave you a little space in your outline there. You might want to write a little note to yourself on the side there because there's something to think about what James is saying. James is talking about possessing faith, faith that moves to action. Now, there's a difference between possessing faith and professing faith. All right, you know the difference? Professing faith is when you say, listen, I believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to have a family baptized at the end of our service today. And every one of them have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to be baptized as a symbol of that covenant that Jesus has put on their life. And then when their baptism is over, the expectation is not just professing faith, but possessing faith from this day forward. You know, it is faith moving into action. Well, Stephen, what is, what is professing faith? Man, it's said best, I think, right there. I put a scripture there for you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And, and this, these are Paul's words, and he makes it so clear. What, there's a lot, by the way, a lot of people think faith, uh, professing faith is so simple. He makes it, it's not complicated, it's simple. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is why I love Christianity so much. This is why I love the good news of the gospel because children, you know what children are able to do? Children, I remember our our young children came to faith when they were, you know, five and six years of age. Why? Because they could say with their mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe he was raised from the dead. The Bible says if you do those two things, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Hallelujah, guys. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And sometimes I meet people, they, they're struggling, you know. They're struggling. I just, I don't know whether I believe and I, I want to believe, but I don't know. I just, I can't, everything in the Bible, can I really grasp it? They've got doubts, okay. By the way, anybody got doubts? Anybody got doubts? We're in church, you can tell the truth, all right. Anybody got doubts? Am I the only one going to raise my hand? Anybody got doubts? Listen, you know what I figured out as a very, a very young Christian? Doubt is just a form of faith. Have you ever figured that out, by the way? Have you ever figured out that faith is in measure and there's something called full faith and then when your faith is kind of lower, we get into a place of doubt? I see people beating themselves up all the time about, oh, I just got all these doubts and I want to come alongside them and say, you know what? Won't you be like that guy in the Bible? Remember that guy in the Bible who, who brought his child to Jesus and wanted to see Jesus heal? And Jesus said, do you believe? In other words, Do you have faith? And the guy said, 
<laughs> I believe, but help my unbelief. He was saying, I got my doubts. Jesus didn't turn him away. I think Jesus honors truthfulness, and when you have doubts, it's quite all right. But understand, even your doubts represent that you have faith. You have some measure of faith. By the way, just a passing word before we move on to point number three. If you've never professed faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never said, I believe Jesus is Lord, and I believe he was resurrected, best I can, I believe he was resurrected from the dead, why not do that today? You know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus says none of us are promised tomorrow. Not one of us. You know, we got two people in the hospital right now. We're praying for Johnny Dykes' dad. We got David Herring in the hospital. I'm sorry, we got three. I just learned this morning that Burma Jones' husband is in the hospital and, 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 and on the edge of this kingdom. You know, none of us know what tomorrow holds. There is no time like the present to say yes to Jesus. And it's simple. I mean, if a six-year-old can do it, you can do it. It's, I believe Jesus is Lord. And I believe he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says, you will be saved. You can have eternity. You can have your sins washed away. You can have purpose to live on. And you can have God guiding you every day. No better day like the day. Faith is established by hearing. So we need to listen for God's word. Because it's all around us. He's speaking all the time. Faith is proven by action. Because faith without deeds is dead, right? Write this one down. And our faith is tested in trials. Our faith is tested in trials. Oh, man, I, I forgot my illustration this morning. I don't carry my phone on Sundays. I'm a preacher, right? I don't want my phone to ring while I'm preaching. Can I have three phones? Three of you guys have phones out there, cell phones? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm, gonna take, I, I'm, I'm just going to switch them around here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you. Who's that, Jody? All right, three ladies' phones. All right. Hey, any man got a phone here? Cody, give me your phone. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to get to Cody in a minute. All right. I'm not digging on the ladies for a minute, but I want you to think. What did we just say? Faith is, say it out loud. What is it? Faith is tested by our trials. Now, these, here's the illustration. We've spent a lot of money on these phones, right? These phones are pretty awesome smartphones. And what's interesting is most of us and none of these folks who I said, give me a phone, none of them gave me a phone without a case on it. We put cases on our phones. Now, why do we do that? This is interesting, you know. One of them's got a rubbery kind of surface here, and I'm not going to drop it, you know, but it's, it's a better one than this one, simply because this one says Mississippi State. Who wants that? <laughs> Kidding, Jody. I love you. I love you. But seriously, I'm going to get you something for Christmas. Um, <laughs> now, this one is not nearly as protective as this one. I mean, this one can stand a little bit more than this one, right? If I drop this one, it could still break, Jody, quite frankly. And this one, I don't even know who gave me this one. This one's cute. Ah, Valerie, I like yours. It's cute, right? But it's also protective. Now, every one of these phone cases, here's the illustration. Every one of these phone, oh, Jenny Irwin's calling right now. I'm glad you don't have the ringer on, all right? Hey, Jenny. Hey, are you in church today? Jody's in church. <laughs> but she'll call you back, okay? <laughs> Bye. Merry Christmas. 
I will never forget this moment. I will never forget this moment. Okay. I'm totally lost. Okay. Now, okay, let me get back to this. So, so uh, bless Jenny's heart. Um, what's interesting about these cases is that they develop these cases, they test these cases so that when you drop them, you won't break your phone. Now, we have to spend more money, Cody, on seriously, serious phone cases that we know we can drop them, they're not going to break, right? I mean, truthfully, this guy right here, he's got an OtterBox, or maybe some of you got the LifeProof. You know what I'm talking about? That's my phone, Cody, by the way. I mean, I can, I can throw that thing. No problem. You came to church, so somebody break your phone today, right? Now, here's the truth of the matter. I want you to think about it. These phone cases, these phone cases, we want these phones to not be broken. Because we're going to drop them, right? We're going to mess them up. We're going to, somebody's going to knock them. I'm not throwing yours. Uh, somebody's going to knock them out of our hands. But here's the deal. Um, whose is this? There you go. I'm going to hold on to yours for just a minute. If faith is tested by our trials, how important is it that our faith stands strong in the middle of the trial? How important is it? I mean, this is a phone, and we want to protect a phone, right? How much more important is our faith when our faith is tested? Your faith is invaluably more important than an iPhone. And your faith will be tested and dropped and banged, and you will go through problems. But here's the point. Your faith is tested in the heat, right? Your faith, listen, was meant to be indestructible. And you might look at your thing and you might go, man, I didn't drop that thing. I didn't, I didn't been, you know, this iPhone, when you bought this iPhone, Cody, this iPhone didn't sign up to be dropped, you know. It didn't sign up to go through hard times, you know, or to be dropped out of the truck on the concrete. It didn't. But that's just like us. I mean, some of us with our faith, and our, we've got our faith surrounding our lives. We go, you know, I didn't sign up to be, have, go through these struggles, go through these trials, have this disease, have this prognosis, lose my job. I didn't sign up for that. But that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is, when you go through the test and through the trial, will your world keep working because of your faith? You get that? I mean, listen, let's don't play games. Let's don't play games. When it comes to this thing called faith, none of us get it right all the time. That's okay. Is it still working? I mean, but I've messed up, Stephen. It's okay. Is it still working? See, your faith is tested in trials. Would you read this? Thank you, Cody. Would you read this scripture with me real quickly? Let's read about your faith being tested. Um, and, and by the way, these are James' words again. I'm sorry, Peter's words. These have come. He's talking about trials. He's talking about drops. He's talking about bangs. He's talking about testings. These have come, these trials have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than iPhones, oh, gold, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know what he's saying to me? He's saying, Stephen, don't you want to know that your faith is legit? Then you're going to have trials. And you're going to have struggles. And the question is, when you walk through the fire, 
Will your faith stand the test? And if it does, then it is tested legit in the middle of that trial. James said these words, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing, not lacking anything. That's God's word to me and to you. So when you go through the tests, it, it doesn't help to kind of step back and go, why God, why God? What helps is to say, God, is it still working? I'm going through the test right now. Is it still working? I'm believing. I'm walking. I'm trusting in you every day. Faith is established in hearing the word of God. Are you listening? Faith is proven by action. Real faith is not, is, it has deeds. It changes things, right? It's, it's after action. And then thirdly, uh, faith is tested in our trials. Flip that outline over. One last thing here. Actually, kind of 1.5 things. Um, faith is strengthened by our stories. Faith is strengthened by stories. I, I should have paused long before now, but can we just go back for a minute and think about Mary? I want you to think about Mary. What do we say? Faith is established by hearing. And so what does God do? God sends an angel, right? So she would hear straight from him. Isn't that interesting to you? It's established by hearing. What's the next thing? It is, is proven by our action. Well, Mary, guess what the first thing she had to do? She had to go out and tell somebody what was going on. There was action that had to come, and she had to have faith in what God had said was true. And it was going to be testing her faith, but it's a big deal, right? She wasn't going to be showing yet. She wasn't going to be feeling like she was pregnant yet, but she had to go out and tell people. That's proving your faith. But how about that next one? When you are tested by trials, don't you think it was a hard time for Mary to go out and tell this thing that God had spoken over her? I mean, it must have been a phenomenal test. Did she get it all right? Probably not. Was it still working? Absolutely. But like, I like this one. I like this one. Point number four. Faith is strengthened by stories. So this is the deal. Mary and Elizabeth get pregnant at the same time. Now that's God for you, right? God knows we need somebody else who's going to walk the journey with us, right? And God says, Mary, go to Elizabeth. And so Mary needs to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm pregnant with the Son of God. And so what does she do? She goes to Elizabeth, and there Mary meets Elizabeth, and together they're both pregnant, right? In that moment, when one tells a story, an angel visited me. <gasps> what? What? Guess what happened to me? An angel visited me. Now, put yourself in Mary's place for a minute. Can you see the the, the the meters start to peg in faith when they're talking with each other. As one's telling one story and the other one's telling the other story, can you just see the meter just starting to move, the strengthening of their faith, knowing that God's got something good he's doing in each one of them, guys? This is the way God works. God strengthens us through stories. Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him. This is a picture of the end of the age when we are ushered, ushered into the, the eternity. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Our triumph is going to come through two, through two things. The blood of the lamb of Jesus Christ, what he did for us on, on the cross of Calvary, right? And it's going to come through the word of our testimony. And that's important. Our testimony, what God has done in my life. You know, Mary's saying, who's going to believe me? Well, they shared stories, and their faith was strengthened. And here's the deal. I guess what I'd say to you is, your story, our story, matters. 
what God's done in our world. The little things and the big things. Hey, mamas and daddies, can I talk to you for a minute? Do you know that when God does something so small in your world, that if you start to tell your children you, those little things God's done in you, do you know that you'll start strengthening their faith? Even when it might be just a little small thing, you'll have a chance to strengthen their faith through your story. Grandmas and granddaddies, do you know how important your story is? Do you know the power of a godly grandmother and a godly grandfather? You need to tell the story of what God's done in your life and you will strengthen your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And listen, here at Harvest Point, listen, God has been doing good things in our world. He's been holding tight to our lives. You know, and we're, we're telling the stories of what God is doing in our lives. For some of us, He is keeping disease at bay and He's giving us another day to live for Him. And Randy Moat, you are telling every day you live the story of God. You're telling the story of God's faithfulness. And you're not alone. Because somebody, you're not the only one in the room with a diagnosis, you know. There are other people who've got diagnosis and we're all, God is doing a good work in all of our stories. For some, it's got to do with our health. For some, it's got to do with our job. For some, it's got to do with our family. God, we all have God stories. And so let me just talk to you for a minute as your pastor. Your story matters. And our story matters. Because as we tell our story, you know what we're building? We're building our stories. And we're building Harvest Point stories of how God has looked after our church across all these years. I mean, there just a year ago, y'all remember? We, we couldn't even pay for this building to be built. And all of a sudden, God came in and donated land for us, you know, and $100,000 here and $50,000 there and $60,000 there. And we were going, go God, you know? Wow! We are seeing God's stories unfold in front of us. And see, this is what happens. This is the last one. I'm, I need to go on. Your faith is strengthened through stories. And we see it happen for Mary. And we need to make sure we're telling our story to everybody we can. Because whenever you tell your story, you have the ability to strengthen somebody's faith. Well, one last thought. And this has, it's not necessarily kind of built into my points. But a dear friend of mine this week came to me as a mom. And she was talking to me about a person in her family, and she said, that person had said, Mom, I don't have your kind of faith. The person was just struggling with faith. And we talked in my office about what that's like to have a child or a grandchild or somebody in your family who's struggling with, with really believing. And I just felt like I had to close the day by telling you one of the greatest gems I ever found in God's Word. I put it in a big black box on your outline. You see it for a minute? Can I just point to it for a minute? One of the greatest gems. When I, when I, this was a game changer for me. When I found this scripture right here, it changed my life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, that faith now, this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. What's the gift of God? God has given me faith and he's given me grace. He's given me faith and, he's, and, and none of it's my own. You know, for a long time, I thought faith was what I could gem up. I thought faith was what, ah, I just got to believe more. And it was all about what Stephen could do. And when I finally got this, that faith was a gift from God, and that my faith started with him, and he gave me the ability to believe. He gave me the ability to believe. And then from there, I believed back towards him. When I really grasped that, that faith was a gift, it let me go, you know. 
It let me say, God, I'm praying for faith in my life. Bestow faith on me. Give me the gift of faith, God. And not by works so that no one can boast. And if you're sitting here today and your faith has been more of a struggle and more of a, oh, I got I to gotta drum this up. Listen, can I just free you today and tell you that your faith was never meant to be all from you? It, that's not the way faith works. Everything, everything, everything starts with God. And he gives faith and he gives grace. He gives us the power to believe. And then we return it back unto him. Listen. For, May, for Mary, she heard the word. Her faith was tested, right? It was proven true. She was strengthened by others. But here's the cool thing you need to know about Mary. Mary's faith didn't come from Mary. Mary's faith was a gift from God. The same thing goes for Joseph. Joseph's faith, he didn't, he, we don't still talk about him today because he got lucky or he drummed up his faith. His faith was a gift from God. And I can tell you, I walk with Jesus today not because Stephen got lucky or Stephen drummed it up the right way. I, got, I, I found Jesus and he gave me the gift of faith. He gave me a gift of faith and he gave me grace and mercy. And you can have that too. All you got to do, all you got to do is say, God, give me the gift of faith. I believe that you're the Lord. I believe that you were resurrected from the day from the dead live in me would you pray with me God I thank you for the message of faith we see all over this Christmas story and Lord here we sit in this room today and like I said from the very beginning all we want to do is hold in one hand the Christmas story and in the other hand our own measure of faith and I just pray God that you would increase the measure of faith for every person in this room here today Lord help us to believe Give us the gift of faith all across this place today, Lord. Give us the gift of faith and give us your mercy and give us your grace. And Lord, today for somebody who might have been just outside and just looking in and saying, I, I'm, I'm thinking about entering into your family, Jesus. Today, Lord Jesus, hear their, hear their cry with their own mouth. They can say, Jesus is Lord and I believe you were raised from the dead. If you believe that and you're believing it today for the first time, just say it out loud right there in your seat. Jesus is Lord, and I believe that you are risen from the dead. I'll say it with you. You can say it out loud. Jesus is Lord, and I believe that he is risen from the dead, and you have experienced faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, God, you are so good to us. And I pray that every person within the sound of my voice and those who are listening to this via podcast, I pray that you would put us on a journey to ever-increasing faith. Lord, build our faith, grow our faith. And if it's got to be through trials, send the trials. We might not get it right every time, God, but we will continue to stay strong in you because you have put your faith in us. And Lord, I pray you'd give us boldness to tell our story. Remind us that when we tell our story of faith, we strengthen other people. And Lord, we pray that the banner over our life would be Jesus. The banner over our church would be Jesus. And that, Lord, you would continue to develop your story of saving faith through us. Ah, you're so good. You're so good. Thank you for the Christmas story. And thank you that we get to live in that same faith Mary and Joseph had today. May it be so, Jesus. In the next few minutes, as this family comes forward to be baptized, Lord, give them faith. And as we give of our tithes and offerings, give us faith. Give us faith, Lord. And help us to trust in you for all that we, that we need. And Lord, as we give towards your kingdom, through our tithes and our offerings. Bless them, Lord. Touch them, multiply them, 
and advance the kingdom of Christ on this earth, we pray. This is our prayer, Lord. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, the strong Son of God, we pray. Amen.